Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And in a couple of minutes, we'll begin reading in verse 19. I saw a cartoon a while back of uh, a group of Martians looking down on the earth. They were watching people. And one of the Martians said, what are they doing? And the other one said, they're not doing anything. They're just going. He said, well, where are they going? He said, they're not going anyplace. They're just going. I think that that's probably true of some of our lives, that we really don't know where we're going. We're just going. So I want you to think about that with me this morning. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 9 that Paul uses uh, an athletic illustration. I remember, I think it was probably the first year that I was in Billings. I used some kind of a sports illustration and somebody really got hacked off. You know, this isn't a game. What are you doing using sports illustrations? I said, well, look in the Bible. Paul, Paul used, used several and Jesus sure used a lot of, a lot of illustrations. So I want us to look this morning at uh, 1 Corinthians 9 beginning in verse 19. And uh, the goal of this is that we, we can stand before the Lord and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that's, that's what we all want. So follow along as I read. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have that underlined in my Bible, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not <clears throat> under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from Christ's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win, notice that phrase over and over again, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible things I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in his blessing, in its blessings. And here's the illustration from sports. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." So you might jot down these, uh, these several points. The first is everyone is in a race. We're all going. The question is, where are we going? So the reference that Paul makes here to the games is actually the Isthmian Games, which were conducted in Corinth. The Olympic Games were, of course, conducted in Athens. They were the precursor to our modern-day Olympic Games. Then they had wrestling Actually, the men wrestled in the nude, which is not a pretty picture to think about, but it was pretty, pretty, 
pretty okay in that culture. So certainly, certainly don't want it to be in ours. Thank you very much. But uh, you think about the best athletes of track coming, all coming together. I, I love, ask Ginger, I love track meets. I watch track on YouTube a lot. 100, 100 yard dash, 200, 400, 800, 1500, pole vault, doesn't matter. I like, I like all of it. And the great thing is that these wonderful athletes, the best in the world, come together. I was actually uh, planning to go to the world championships in 2021 in Eugene, Oregon, but uh, this uh, coronavirus thing has messed up a lot of things. But think about these athletes. You know one athlete, you don't know the other athlete because the first athlete beat the second by one one hundredth of a second. That's how close it is sometimes. It's the smallest fraction of a second. And one person is successful and they get the well done and the other one does not get the well done. So <clears throat> what kind of a reward are you going to get for raising your kids? What kind of a reward will you get for being a good husband or a good wife, a person who has character? See, the standards are much different, aren't they? The goals that we choose are so important, and they can't be based on some temporal kind of reward. So I was listening to a guy in a funeral a few months ago talking about someone who worked with him who had just passed away. And he spent the whole time talking about what a great businessman he was for this particular company that he seemed to be promoting during the funeral. And I thought, golly, I think, that, I think that's the first time I ever remember at a funeral somebody focusing on those kinds of things rather than what kind of a father or mother, what kind of a person they were. At the end of the day, people are not going to talk about your work. People are going to talk about your character, the kind of person that you are. So notice how Paul set out to accomplish what he accomplished. He said, though I am free, I belong to no man. I, myself, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So I'm free, but he said, I chose to make myself a slave to please certain groups of people because my goal is to win them to Jesus Christ. Now, the second uh, line that I'd like for you to focus on is focus on your responsibilities rather than your rights. I think most of us are pretty aware of this, but it, it seems kind of crazy to us that come from another generation because uh, now people talk about rights. They'll talk about health care. That's a human right to have health care. Really? Uh, all kind of, it's, a, it's a right to have a free education. In other words, you're born into this world and it is your right to have a free education. And the way that they talk about that today is a college education, which frankly everybody doesn't want or need. But in the generation that I was brought up in and other generations, it wasn't about rights, it was about responsibilities. For as long as I can remember, my dad taught me a work ethic. It wasn't an, always a healthy lesson. But he taught me that if you're going to get any place in this world, if you're going to do anything in this world, you have to work at it. You, you have some responsibilities that you keep, and if you keep those responsibilities, then 
you will be successful in life. So Paul, in this passage of Scripture, says five times, I did such and such to win as many as possible. He's talking about focusing on his responsibility to win people to Christ. He had to work at that. So I had a, a pastor, or a friend come up to me one time, and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, you're actually not a very good pastor. I said, well, thank you. He said, you're a great evangelist, but you're not a very good pastor. And, I, and so I said to him, well, I guess you get it, don't you? That's the primary focus of my life, is to win as many people to Christ as I can and to help them grow up in the faith. And I have others that I've delegated responsibility to to pastor and care for people. So what I want to ask you is, what is your race? We all have a different race. Everybody's in a race. What is your race? What is it that you're focusing on? You're not just going, but hopefully you're going someplace intentionally. The second major point is run to win. In other words, whatever you do, give it your best. I was listening to a track athlete be interviewed uh, a while back, and she said, everybody sees the glory, but they don't see the story. What she was saying was, people see me win, and they admire me for winning. They admire how fast I am, but they don't know the price that I paid. They don't know what it took for me to get where I am. Paul uses an interesting word in this passage of Scripture. He says we compete. The word compete there is where we get the word agonize. It has to do with discipline to the point of pain. He says we're not running aimlessly. In other words, you're not just going, but you have a purpose. And he also used the illustration we're not shadow boxing. You know, we're not just beating at the air. We'll go to any length to accomplish what we need to. So listen to this again. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that as to win those under the law. In other words, different tactics. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things, this can, be, this can be tricky, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. So let me give you another phrase. Be willing to adjust your methods, not your message. Because you can, you can read into that passage of Scripture something that, that he's not intending to say there. We're not chameleons. Uh, to become all things to all men, he's not saying... I'm this today, I'm that tomorrow. He's saying, my message never changes, my methods do. So I, I did a pastor's conference in Hawaii a few years ago. And I, I wasn't thinking, obviously. I used a, an illustration about a snowblower. They didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And an illustration was really funny in Montana. It wasn't funny at all in Hawaii. They just kind of sat there with, with blank looks on, on their faces. So the point is, if I go to China and preach the gospel, the gospel will not change. But the methods will change. I've preached in several different countries in the world, and you always, I learned from that example, 
you, you have to preach in the, into their context so they understand they know it. So your methods are going to change, but not your message. One of the great examples here in Billings uh, would be uh, Brewer Dental Clinic. Uh, most people don't know this, but Dr. Brewer was in the Lamplighter Square for many years. He was a dentist. He was a successful dentist. But at some point, he and his wife got together and started strategizing about marketing. And now, as you all know, Brewer Dental Clinic is a very, very, very successful practice, so much so that they, they can give away a, a lot of things every year, and they, and they do. He was always a dentist. He's still a dentist. But his methods changed in order to accomplish more than he accomplished before. If you would have seen Faith Chapel in the 1970s, and you would see Faith Chapel today, you wouldn't know it's the same church. The gospel is the same, the message is the same, but many things have changed over the years. I've used the illustration uh, before, I think it was probably in the 90s, I started wearing jeans to preach in, and one of my friends told me afterwards, he said, I saw you up there with jeans and I didn't like it. But then I thought, well, he still sounds the same. He's still saying, saying the same things he was before. In other words, the method changed, but the message didn't change. It would be like if I buy Ginger a gift for Christmas and then I decide to buy a bunch of other things for her for Christmas, so I decide I'm going to save that gift for Valentine's Day. Well, before Valentine's Day came, I would change the package. I wouldn't want, well, you just give me a leftover gift. No. Change the package and give her the gift, and it would have a much better context. So be open to change is the whole idea. An extreme example would be my friend Dick Scott, who was a missionary to Panama. He went to, a, a, I can't remember the name of the tribe uh, right now, but he went to this tribe in Panama. They did not have a written language. And he felt called uh, to be there to, to win them to Christ. So he actually wrote a language for them and then wrote the New Testament in their language. I mean, can you imagine that? So how differently the method was, how different the method was, but the message was the same. The third major point is, what is your reward? Paul said, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So the idea is focus on an eternal reward, not a temporal reward. In the Istanbul Games, which is what Paul is referring to here, they, they just got a, a, a branch of an olive leaf and put it on their heads. That was their reward. Plus, of course, the status and the recognition of what, they've, what they had done in that culture. You might think in terms of, well, you work someplace for 25 years, you get a gold watch. Or you get all kinds of benefits along the way that would be, would be wonderful things. But I, I thought, I've thought quite a bit about this, especially since I've retired. When I was getting really close to, to leaving Faith Chapel, I, I started thinking, I wonder, after all these years, you know, Paul made reference to some things are of silver and gold, other things are wood, hand, stubble. And in that day, in the last day, the torch will come and burn away that which is wood, hay, and stubble. 
And I, I think it's good for all of us to examine that once in a while. How much of my life is not going to matter in the end? How much of it's going to disappear? It's temporal. And how much of it will withstand in that last day? So we want to make sure that we focus on eternal rewards, not temporal rewards. Then the next sentence that I wrote, it's a horrible sentence, so I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase it. Be, be an influence for Jesus in the lives of people. Be an influence for Jesus in the lives of people. And you can put to people that you spend time with on there. So <clears throat> uh, at Faith Chapel, what was my reward at Faith Chapel after being there for 36 years? Over the years, the church grew, and one of the flaws in the way that we measure success is that I got a lot more respect as time went on. At first, you know, I pastored this little church down on 14th Street. Nobody knows or cares. After a while, there are thousands of people, and then when people introduce you that he's a pastor of Faith Chapel, it's like, I mean, I've watched it a thousand times. All of a sudden, they pay more attention than they paid before because of the numbers of people that are involved. So uh, if you'd go and look at my desk at home, I've got, I've got a globe that was given to me by the missions department, and I've got all these paperweights that were given to me over the years. I've got notebooks. I've got all kinds of things for, for giving to missions. Was that really the reward, <laughs> reward that I want? They, they could have kept them as far as, as I'm concerned. All the buildings at Faith Chapel. I do drive by there, and I'm, and I'm grateful to, for what the Lord did because those represent what the Lord did in terms of people's lives, not just a building. But those, those buildings are not a reward. That's not a, a status symbol or a symbol of success. But when they built this little room that had 21,000, 21,000 lights in it, it had black paneling in the room, and then all these holes drilled, 21,000 holes. And you'd walk in the room, the lights would all be out, but you could see these lights shining through the wall, representing 21,000 people who received Jesus. Now that's a reward. I, I wept the first time I walked in the room and saw it. I couldn't believe it. So Jesus said these words, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, temporal things where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We want to make sure that what we're working for isn't going to be burned away in the last day, but it's something that's going to stand for eternity. The only thing that's going to stand for eternity is people. We want to make sure... Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, whatever you're accomplishing, whatever your vocation in life is, that the primary thing that you're wanting to do is influence them for Jesus Christ. Of course you're going to do a good job at what you do. Do that or you'll lose your credibility. But make sure that your focus is on something that's eternal, that you're bringing to in true influence. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as I conclude our time this morning. So first of all, let me just ask you again. Are you going? Yes. Do you know where you're going? Is your life just about going? About doing things? 
Or is there a purpose for what you're doing? Do you take the responsibility that we are all to have in terms of the gospel to win people to Jesus Christ? So I'd like to just ask you where you are right now. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I wonder if there's anybody at home today who would say, you know, I need to make some adjustments in my life. What I've been living my life for is, has brought me success. But I want to do things that make me have true success. And it won't, just, it won't, it won't necessarily be changing vocations. It would just be that you change what your primary goal and influence is. If you're a doctor, if you're a school teacher, if you're a fireman, if you're a construction worker, your primary goal in life would be to influence people for Jesus Christ. That's eternal. And someday you'll get to see those people in heaven that you influence. So Lord, we thank you. If there's somebody at home this morning who needs to commit their life to you, receive you as their Lord and Savior, then Lord, I give them to you this morning and pray that you'd help them make a decision and cross that line of faith. And if you are receiving Jesus today, do something physically just to demonstrate that you're making a decision. Maybe raise your hand. Maybe stand up. Whatever it would be that Jesus would see you making a decision to give your life to him today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, we're uh, thankful for your faithfulness. Thanks for watching this morning. And uh, reach out to some people in the church this week. You know, we've been asking the staff every week if there's someone that we need to just give a call, write an email to, you know, give some special attention to. Uh, lots of people, I've been watching the news, and lots of people are helping people who are in crisis situations with food, with clothing, you know, whatever it might be. Lots of people don't have a job right now. Maybe there's something you could take out of your cupboard and take to them. And uh, just just be a, a blessing to people. So, again, we don't know when we're going to be able to physically meet, but uh, it's probably going to be a, a, a little while yet. Uh, so... Keep tuning in to Hope Center Billings as you did this morning on YouTube and uh, spread the word about, about what we're doing too. Love you. Stay safe and be well. God bless you.